AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or AM 1260 WBIX. If you're listening on the Business Buzz on Sunday nights, uh, welcome to the Car Doctor Program. It's a uh, If you're keeping track of the weather, it's kind of a gloomy Saturday out there right now, but it's supposed to get nice, so uh, you know don't, don't let the weather fool you. Uh, it is September after all, and it's also National Drive to Work, Drive Electric to Work Week. Uh, Drive Electric Week, and in a little bit we're going to be talking with Janelle Williams. She is the Leaf Marketing Manager, and there's an all-new Nissan Leaf coming out, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be checking that out, well, sort of, and finding out what that's all about before too too long. Um, there was a story from JD Power, and it says while non-premium premium vehicle owners are equally satisfied with their level of technology and its ease of use. Uh, in their new vehicle, a degree of loss value still exists since most owners don't completely understand and use all the available technology in their vehicles, according to the J.D. Power Tech Experience Study. Overall, uh, owner satisfaction with new vehicle technology among both premium and non-premium buyers averages 750 on a 1,000-point scale. Satisfaction is highest in a large segment, 777, followed by a compact segment, 753, Compact Premium 751. The study now in its second year measures drivers' experience, usage, and interaction with 35 driver-centric vehicle technologies in 90 days of ownership, um, understanding the opportunities and minimizing the gap between driver experience and execution. Well, you know, we've been saying that for quite a while. It's, uh, it, you know, really gets down to the idea that, you know, a lot of people just get in their car and drive it, and there's some things their cars do, and they don't fully understand it. So, you know, we'll go into that a little bit more in just a in just a couple of minutes. Well, this is uh, National Drive Electric Week, and with us on the phone is Janelle Williams. She is the Leaf Marketing Manager um, for Nissan North America, and she's responsible for a whole bunch of stuff. Janelle, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor Program here in Boston. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, are you at the event today? I will be at the event today. It, well, yeah, it's a little early yet still. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first off, tell us tell us what's going on in Cambridge today before we get into what the LEAF is all about. Absolutely. Um, National Drive Electric Week is a celebration of all things EVs. It's a chance for consumers and EV enthusiasts to interact with both auto manufacturers and other owners alike and just learn more about EVs. Um, and Nissan's a national uh, automotive sponsor for, for National Drive Electric Week. So we are very excited to participate in the events. And we have only particip- – we are participating in most events throughout the country, but we made a special effort to come out to Cambridge today. So we're very excited. Well, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure Cambridge is very excited to see you too. So. <laughs> Uh, every time I walk through Cambridge, I feel smarter with Harvard and MIT. So it, it always helps. So, uh, but uh, let's talk. Let's talk about the Leaf. How long? How long has the Leaf been on the market? 
Uh, the Leaf has been on the market since around 2011. Um, we've sold about 113,000 within the U.S. and about 280,000 worldwide. And it, it's a very popular vehicle because it, um, you know, it seats four people. It's got, it, you know, in its original form, it had a pretty decent range. It was an electric vehicle you could drive every day and be pretty happy with it. And But the, uh, the new Leaf uh, made some changes, right? Yes, we definitely did. So the new LEAF has features more power, more range, more technology for a lower price than the current model. So what that means is uh, 150 miles of range, which is a 40% increase versus the 2017 model. Mm-hmm. Uh, more power, which is 37% more power uh, than the current model, 110 kilowatt motor, 26% torque. We've got more technology in there, ProPilot Assist, e-pedal, Apple Play, Android Auto, um, all for a price of of twenty nine nine ninety, which is six hundred and ninety bucks lower than the model year seventeen S grade. Well, let's let's you know go back to the range a little bit. Range, sure. range anxiety was a word that never existed ten years ago, <laughs> and uh, and now it does. And and even some of the you know super premium uh, electric vehicles like Tesla. Uh, even if you talk to those owners, it took a little while before they kind of got used to knowing when and where to stop and all that type of thing. But the Leaf with the 150-mile range, um, that seems like that's enough to you know satisfy the average commuter in these days. That's exactly correct. You know, we've we received a lot of feedback from our owners, our current owner base, um, and from other EV enthusiasts. And what they told us is that they want an affordable EV. So we had to really strike the balance between range, technology, and price. And we believe we did that with the 150 miles of range and the 29990 starting MSRP. Now, I remember when the uh, LEAF first came out, and I think it was touted as, um, you know, 100-mile range, uh, the potential to go, like, almost 100 miles an hour and carry four people. And the new LEAF sounds like it's just blown away those statistics. It absolutely is. It's definitely more faster. It's definitely got more power. Um, it's just really a fun-to-drive vehicle. Um, I encourage people to uh, come by today and check it out, and um, at some point in the near future we'll do some test drives in the air and you guys will be able to drive the vehicle. But um, it's just really fun to drive. Yep. And and for people who have never driven an electric car, um, the electric motor and the torque is really what it's all about. You're, If you're in a stop and you uh, floor the accelerator, it's um, exhilarating. Absolutely true. It is. It just goes. I. It's very hard to articulate over the phone. It's really one of those things that you've got to really just just try. I mean, even the 2017 model. If you want to, uh, those are still in in dealerships right now. So you can go take a look at it um, and drive it and just feel that instant torque and imagine a more powerful version of that because that's going to be the 2018 Leaf. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of which, when when is the 2018 Leaf going to come to market? Uh, the 2018 Leaf will be, begin to show up in dealerships uh, in early 2018. Is it going to be fairly typical of a lot of introductions? It's going to start west and go east, or is it? Are you going to do the coasts, or do you, all or, fifty states? All fifty states. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, um, and and who do you you know when you when you design whether it was the original Leaf or the new one, who were you really thinking for uh, customers for this? Is it is it somebody who's just commutes back and forth to work is and the other question is is the leaf a car now that can truly replace the primary car in some households i think it definitely can um i, I think the only the people that we're we're really targeting 
um, are those that are eager to try new technology, mm-hmm. that are seeking um, a more enriching driving experience with less hassle. Um, and we are also really focused on, on targeting our, our current owner base. Like As I mentioned earlier, we have over 113,000 owners that are already familiar with the EV, and so we are targeting them as well. But our overall objective, I guess, for Nissan is that we this is a mass market vehicle, so we are trying to make it um, applicable to all people, um, and so that's why we're making sure that it's affordable and that it has enough range to get you where you need to be. Yeah, and, you know, for people who are still sort of naysayers on this who say, you know, I, do I really want to have to plug my car in every night? I'm willing to bet last night when you got to Cambridge, you plugged in your phone, your laptop, and some other, and maybe a tablet, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so the idea of going and finding a charging station and plugging in a car or doing it at home if you have a home charging station, it's just one more thing you get used to doing, and it's one less thing you do going to a gas station. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you own an EV, part of the EV ownership experience is that you save a lot of time, you, and um, not only from charging, but also from maintenance. There's no maintenance really required. There's no oil changes or any of that are required for an EV. And as you mentioned, the the, the new Leaf um, can charge, uh, if you have a, a, a quick charge, it can charge to 80% capacity in about 40 minutes. So it's not an extreme amount of time. Um, required to charge this vehicle to get it ready for the next day and with a typical uh, level two charger more like six or eight hours something like that exactly about eight hours Mm -hmm. which is about a two-hour increase from the from the previous generation and then if you do the traditional 120 volt it'll take it's about four hours more than the previous generation so about 16 hours yeah and you know i think most people and i and i think i would be if i was an electric car owner um, I would just I would just go for the for the additional charging station at home, only because it just is that much more convenient. Especially if you're somebody who doesn't think of charging every day. Now, all of a sudden, in eight hours, you you know you you pull in for the night. You're not really going anywhere. You plug in you know, the next morning. You're fully charged. You're ready to go. That 150 miles. And um, between Nissan dealerships and what you folks have done with charging stations, we're seeing. Uh, charging stations popping up all over the place, whether it's at restaurants, uh, parking lots, shopping malls, um, uh, municipalities, of course, uh, you know, hospitals. Um, I, I, I'm willing to bet in Cambridge is dozens of places charge up these days. Absolutely. We have over 2,000 uh, quick chargers across the nation um, in major metropolitan areas. So we do believe that we've got definitely more than adequate coverage to, to satisfy our owners. Mm. No, it sounds it sounds uh, it sounds like a great vehicle, and I know people who have the current Leaf now and love them. And they thought at first the you know when they bought it, it was like, well, it'll probably be a third car when my kid comes home from college. Or and what they found out they did, they you know kept their one car for long distance, and the Leaf was a car that they drove actually more often than they thought they were. So uh, it became it became a good second car, and even in a lot of cases, the primary car, when the gasoline car became the sort of secondary vehicle. Yeah, we've heard that as well. Yeah. I mean, we I just, um, on my plane ride over, I was talking to a couple that owned a Leaf, uh, and they mentioned that they fight over whether or not, who's going to drive the Leaf for the day, hmm. uh, just because it's that much fun to drive um and now with the more with more range um you have less worry about planning where you need to go and planning your stops and 
um, some of the hassles that you may have had to endure previously are alleviated with the with the additional range. Yeah, and I think I, what you just said is pretty interesting. On your plane ride over, you you stumbled onto somebody that had a leaf. So that's telling you how popular they are, where many, many years ago, probably more than 20 now, I was sort of interested in electric cars. So I, I bought uh, kind of a, a horrible electric car, but anyway, um, it, it was it was it a, wasn't a it, Nissan. Huh? It was it was not it was well well it was don't a, answer that it, it was a Renault. <laughs> so um, it was actually a Renault car that was converted by a company in Acton, Massachusetts. But way back then, it was a it was a hobby. It wasn't a production. It was it was this company in Acton, Massachusetts took Renault cars, turned them into turned them into electric vehicles, and the range was about 60 miles. The performance was terrible. Um, it was essentially a, a car just filled with batteries. It wasn't well thought out. But it was, a. But it, you know, back then it was it was more of a, a culture. It was sort of like owning a, you know, Volkswagen Beetle or, you know, something. Well, now electric cars are just sort of, they're sort of part of life. It's just, you know, you, you have, you have an electric car or you don't. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not just a, it's not just a hobby anymore. It's just, it's something that's just another form of transportation. And I truly believe that someday, and it looks like that's probably closer to the future, uh, closer to the uh, current than now is when you go to buy a car, whether you go to a Nissan dealer or somebody else and you say, Oh, do you want the electric? Do you want the hybrid? Do you want the diesel? Do you want the hydrogen? You know, I think it's going to be a box you check off. And, and even throughout Nissan, you know, there's hybrids in, in Nissan and there's, uh, and electrics and gasoline cars. And I don't think we have a Nissan diesel. Well, in the Titan truck, right? Yeah. So yeah. so you sort of so you know Nissan like everybody else is is going to have a fuel for everybody what everybody wants. So I think it's um, exciting with the electric electric vehicle stuff and it's a uh, it's a great event. Can you um I know it's not your event but you, can you give us a uh, uh, uh time and details of the event if you know it? Sure. Um we will be at Danahee Park from 11 to 4 p.m. today. Oh. We'll have a static display of the uh, of the all-new Leaf in a pretty interactive tent. So please come by and check us out. I'll personally be there. There you go. Hey, uh, Janelle, I want to thank you for uh, getting up a little bit early this morning and joining no us, joining us uh, here in Boston. And good luck with the event, and who knows, maybe you'll see me there. Perfect. Thank all you right. so much. All right. Take, take care, care, Janelle. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Janelle Williams. She is the Leaf Marketing Manager uh, with EV Marketing and Sales Division at Nissan North America. And she's responsible for operations, strategic planning, marketing, and the launch of the all-new Leaf. And, you know, now we're starting to talk. You know, some of the electric vehicles that have a, you know, 100-mile range. And, you know, one of my favorite has always been the Kia Soul Electric. Uh, has about 103 or 104-mile range. Uh, pretty good um, can it get me back and forth to work? Almost. Well, it can get me back and forth to work, but it gets a little touchy at the end. 150-mile range, all of a sudden now, completely different. Now my 50-mile commute, I still have 50 miles of reserve left, so I can go back and forth to work, do some errands, come back home, recharge it up. Now we're really starting to talk about uh, good range electric vehicle, and again, under $30,000, and there is rebates and incentives and uh, tax incentives, um, you know, all kinds of different stuff that you can take advantage of. Why don't we take a quick break? 
When we come back, we'll talk about the car that got me around last week, which actually happened to be a Nissan product. It was a Nissan Rogue Sport. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, phone lines are open at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Phone lines are open. We'll be right back. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-964-9323. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-964-9323. That's 1-800-964-9323. 1-800-964-9323. WROL's long-awaited 50th birthday celebration will take place Saturday, September 23rd from 2 to 8 p.m. at our Marina Bay Studios. Bands, bars, food, vendors, and loads of fun both outside in our entire parking lot and inside at the neighboring sports complex. We'll have tours of the studios. You can see where we broadcast live as we broadcast live, like we've been doing for the past 50 years. And six hours of live Irish bands, Margaret Dalton and Aaron's Melody, the Silver Spears, Debbie, Pauline Wells, the Fenian Sons, the band Ireland, all helping us celebrate 50 years serving the Irish community and celebrating with Irish music from artists you know and love so well. We'll even have a special 4 o'clock mass in our studios. We know the Boston Irish and Irish American community have you covered and to be part of this giant celebration as a vendor or sponsor call us at 617-691-2526 the crack will be mighty saturday september 23rd 2 to 8 p.m save the date hi this is pat with the next big thing it's yard cleanup time and we have a great deal for you from lab landscaping they do it all residential and commercial lawn maintenance landscaping mowing spring and fall cleanups and much more you can purchase a 250 dollars gift card for any or all of these services for half price right now go on to weze radio or wrlradio.com click on the discount shopping site and buy your gift cards for half price and by the way lab landscaping did a wonderful job on Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. You know, I make my living in Hollywood, but I choose to keep my money with the City of Boston Credit Union. As a member for over two decades, I put my family's trust in the City of Boston Credit Union with four full-service branches, including their latest in Canton. Check out the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and see how you, too, can become a member today. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Federally insured by NCUA. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor.
welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Um, got a, I got a postcard, actually, from um, somebody who listens to the radio show. And we brought this up, I think, last week, too. Uh, on page 19 of the September issue of the AAA publication, it tells of a 1954, but it shows a um, picture of a 1951 Ford. So uh, Richard Glassmeyer of New Berlin, New York, uh, good for you for recognizing that. And he sent it on a postcard from a vintage-style postcard of Yellowstone National Park, uh, U.S. Department of the Interior, um, Kind of a neat postcard, too, So, for those postcard people. Um, I got a device in the mail a couple weeks ago, and it is a um, – the company is called FENSENS, F-E-N-S-E-N-S. And what it is, you know how, if you know, have ever been in a newer car that has a backup warning system. So it has, it has uh, sensors on the rear bumper, and if you go to back up, uh, it – beeps and warns you that you're about ready to hit something. Well, maybe you always wanted a system like that for your own car, but your car doesn't have it. Uh, neither of our family cars have that system. So this device sort of takes the place of that. It's a, it's a license plate frame. It's a frame that goes around your license plate, and then it wirelessly connects to your smartphone. So you need a smartphone, an Apple or an Android phone. And it has a little mount for your phone, similar to the one that I use all the time. It's a magnetic mount, so you either glue this piece of metal to the back of your phone, or in the case of my phone, I have a uh, I have a uh, piece of metal uh, inside my phone case, and the little thing just sits in the vent uh, of your car. So, and then uh, the magnet just holds it to the little thing in the vent. And how it works is, if you go to shift into reverse. You can either touch your phone or there's actually a little push-button thing you can touch. And it brings up the app on your phone. And as you're backing up, it shows a little picture of a car. And it signals whether there's somebody behind you. Well, we are going to give that away, but not here. Because... Here's the one problem with it. The device itself is pretty neat. It's completely wireless. It runs on a it runs on a couple double uh, A batteries. Uh, the batteries they claim will last about six months. There's no wiring. It comes with four um, screws that are um, that are tamper resistant, so nobody can steal it from you. It's worth about a hundred bucks. But, and I said this to the somebody from the company. It's not legal in Massachusetts because it's big enough where in Massachusetts, if you have a license plate frame, it can't block any of the words on the frame. So it can't block the word Massachusetts. It can't block the word Spirit of America. So you can't block any of that. It does have the license plate sticker reveal. You know, you can see that, but it blocks the words. Now, is a police officer going to stop you for having the word Massachusetts and Spirit of America blocked on your car? Probably not. But if you were going in to get an inspection sticker, they're supposed to tell you you have to take it off. And when we talked to Aaron Devaney yesterday, last week rather, um, the Registrar of Motor Vehicles, you know, like she pointed out, there's nothing that's different in the new inspection program from the old inspection program when that starts in October. But 
Well, a garage that maybe saw a license plate frame that said, who knows, whatever it said on it, would they let it slide by if they know they're being videotaped? Probably not. They'd probably want to go more by the book. Um, and again, the reason is they the law specifically says you can't block the license plate frame. So what we're going to do is this is more for our podcast listeners, which typically listen outside of uh, our general listening area. Or, I suppose if you live or have a car registered outside of Massachusetts, you can enter the same contest. Um, but I don't want to give it away to somebody in Massachusetts with the idea that you could potentially get stopped by the police for having a blocked license plate frame. And I know a lot of people do. In fact, when I was at uh, the, uh, my own car, well, the Hyundai Santa Fe, needed a um, inspection sticker this month. So I went over to uh, Junior's in Hyde Park, Junior Auto, Junior's Automotive in Hyde Park. And uh, first time I've ever gotten a sticker and not been there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, I kind of get right in because they're, they're almost not open yet. I think I actually get in there before they're open. Uh, but this time I, I was doing something, and I by the time I finished up, it was closer to 10, zipped into Hyde Park. Uh, they were busy like they always are, and he took care of, uh, you know, he did he did his normal inspection. And while I was chit-chatting with uh, Richie Riley, one of his, uh, one of his mechanics, uh, we were just chit-chatting about nonsense, I noticed uh, Junior replaced the license plate frame on my car with a nice new clean one because the old one was starting to look a little worn. But I noticed his license plate frames are cut in a certain way that they leave out. They leave all of the words that need to be exposed exposed. So it does say it does actually, you know, you can read Massachusetts and Spirit of America and all that stuff that you want to see on on the license plate. So uh, Thank you for Junior for taking care of my inspection on my vehicle for me, and uh, I kind of figured it would pass anyway. Check engine lights out, got new tires, new brakes, you know, all that kind of stuff. New ball joint, new axle shaft. Kept this car a year or two too long, I think. But anyway, so um, but uh, same idea. And he does inspections both in Hyde Park and Middleborough. So uh, if you're if you see a sign, um, you know, he's been with the AAA program for a long time, and, and you know it's always seems to do a good job with everything we do with our members and all of that. So, but anyway, the point going back to the original point, if you would like to enter the contest to win the FenSend's backup system license plate frame, really you have to be outside of Massachusetts or have a car. Do you have a car registered in Florida maybe? Do you have a car registered in New Hampshire? Do you have a car registered in Rhode Island where I don't think it's quite as fussy a thing? Um, then you can enter to win and all you have to do is send me an email at jpaul, J-P-A-U-L, at A-A-A, Northeast, spell out the word Northeast, N-O-R-T-H-E-A-S-T, dot com. So jpaul at A-A-A, Northeast, dot com, and you can be entered to win the FenSend's license plate uh, backup system. It's a $100 value. I sent an email to the company and said, you know, interesting product, Real, I'm testing it out, but I really can't use it. So I tested it out for a few days. I put it back in the box. It still looks brand new. You'll never know I used it. Uh, uh, and it comes with uh, it comes with all the attaching screws, and it comes with the um, comes with the 
special. It's it, they look like Torx wrenches that are tamper proof. So once you put the screws in, nothing's going to happen. Nobody can take it out unless they have these special anti theft Torx wrenches. So there's a lot of lot of um, a lot of good features with it. Um, just kind of a just kind of a neat thing. So. Uh, all you have to do is send an email, jpaul at aaanortheast.com. Speaking of emails and things, next week is the big 50th, 50th anniversary WROL party. And it's going to be taking place here from 2 to 8 uh, in the parking lot at Marina Bay. So it's here at the sports complex across the street. There's going to be tours of the studio our Irish host will be here working and having a good time. There's going to be entertainment. There's all, going to be all kinds of stuff going on next week. But also there is a trip to Ireland being given away, uh, courtesy of WROL and the good folks at Sullivan Tire. And it's based on, you, you know, American Idol. This is Irish Idol. And people have submitted songs to... The website. So go to WROLradio.com and vote on your favorite Irish idol. And these are all amateur singers, and they um, they worked real hard to get their songs up. So go to WROLradio.com. There's a little box that says vote here. Listen to your favorite songs. Vote. You um, And uh, somebody's going to go to Ireland. Pretty good trip. Okay, back to the car that got me around, which was the 2017 Nissan Rogue Sport, um, and the you know, and that's a that's a car that is really sort of a really sort of an interesting vehicle because there's a Rogue, and then there's a Rogue Sport, and the Rogue Sport is a uh, slightly smaller version of the Rogue, smaller engine. Um, very competitively priced, uh, interesting interior because it is a, a comfortable interior, but it has this sort of uh, uh, storage area in the back, which works out really well. Uh, fuel economy up over, um, I want to say, 32 or 33 miles per gallon. So uh, good fuel economy out of the car. Um, performance from the 2-liter, wanting occasionally uh, you, you know, could use a little bit more power, um, but it's connected to the CVT transmission, the continually variable transmission. I, I'm, you know, Nissan's been doing this for quite a while. They use it in most of their, I think, yeah, most of their models at least. And I think they really have done as good a job as anyone with these transmissions, um, you know, some, not everybody's happy with the with these new CVT style transmissions, which are essentially don't use gears. They use a, a series of, I'll say, belts and pulleys. That's not really right, but that's how they work. The Nissan ones you, seems pretty normal. You would never know anything was different about it. Um, handling a ride pretty good. Uh, it's, I think, is kind of overall, it's a good middle of the road small SUV, compact SUV. Um, Little, uh, although I think for my money, I might want to go with the um, traditional Rogue over the Rogue Sport. Uh, but it still is a it still is a car that is. If you're looking for a smaller SUV, you're looking for one that gets phenomenal fuel economy um, and has the ability to carry some things when you want to carry it. I think the Rogue is a, is a good choice. The um, 
And we're, when we're talking with Janelle earlier, we're talking about hybrids and electric vehicles. And there's even a hybrid version of the Rogue, which we've talked about before. And um, that one is is powered by a two-liter engine as well, but it's coupled with a uh, electric motor and uh, just a, just a, just an interesting vehicle. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Phone lines are open if you would like to join us and talk about your car, your car problems, whatever's on your mind. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, it's we're going to do trivia. We're going to do a simple, simple trivia question, and then we're going to use our random number generator thing. To figure out who won, because it's so easy, so easy. I think everyone's going to know the answer, and it's kind of based on Nissan. What was Nissan before it was Nissan? What's the car name that we used to call that that was Nissan before Nissan? What was the name of it? So back many many years ago, they went from they went from their original name or one of their original names. And then said, no, we're going to call ourselves Nissan these days. What was that name? Give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and you'll get um, some AAA trinkets in the mail. How's that? Uh, you know, cup and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. I go into the AAA closet and maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe take a few things and, so if you know what that is, we'll put you on hold. I think a lot of people know the answer to this, but that's the whole point. We want a lot of people to know the answer, and uh, we will uh, we will give you something. So, so first, so VW dealers get first dibs on fixed vehicles. It says here, Volkswagen will give its uh, dealers the first rights to acquire hundreds of thousands of repaired diesel vehicles returned through their stores under recall stemming from the company's diesel emission scandals. Uh, head of Volkswagen's North America region said the company is awaiting approval from regulators allowing the earliest recall Volkswagen turbo diesels to be resold to consumers. Regulators have approved the fix but have not given a green light to return them to dealers to repair and resell. When the, approve, when the approval comes, uh, Volkswagen will slowly release the vehicles, giving its 652 U.S. dealers right of first refusal to buy specific vehicles returned through the dealerships. And Volkswagen dealers, he added, are excited to get the once popular cars, but of course, a community of customers who would like to take a look at these cars once they fulfill the regulation. That's why we're pretty optimistic that we will have a successful remarketing of these cars, according to the folks from Volkswagen. When regulators give the go-ahead to resell the cars, Volkswagen will return the cars to the market in a manner to make sure that the residual values of these cars remain stable. He said the brand will find a smart way to dose it in the right way through different channels into the market. Volkswagen has repurchased about 67% of the estimated 485,000 turbo diesels are sold in the U.S. between 2009 and 2014 that had uh, illegal and excessive emissions. Those cars are being stored in dozens of parking lots across the U.S. Yes, if you've been to Weymouth, the uh, former Weymouth Navy base, there are Volkswagens all over the place over there. And I was in Quonset down in Rhode Island a couple weeks ago. And there's, I mean, literally thousands and thousands of cars just sitting there. And um, 
Hopefully they'll get them all fixed and refurbished and get them on their way. What's interesting about this story is that there was 485,000 and 33% of the 485,000 customers have chosen not to turn them back in and will continue to drive them the way they, they have been, I guess opting to pollute the air a little bit, but uh, take advantage of it. How many? So that's... One to six? Four. I thought we had six. Okay, whatever. There's there's a bunch. Let's see. Let's see. So we have one to that many. This is the this is the Paul Sullivan uh, random number generator. Let's see. And this is really true. That's for you know, we have to turn our Facebook camera on sometime. But if we had it on I could show you that there is something called a random number generator, and you put in how many numbers, and you hit generate, and it says we go to line one. So, line one. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. John Paul. Yes. Hey, good morning. Hey. <laughs> ah, um, um, See, look at out of the random number generator, you were one of those, You were you were randomly generated. They call me Mr. Lucky. There you go. <laughs> I, was saying, I knew. I knew. I knew somebody I, had a three-legged dog named Lucky. Never could figure that out. <laughs> How did it lose its leg? I don't know. I don't know. Not so, uh, whatever. That wasn't yeah. so lucky. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the so answer, what's the answer? I believe it simply is Dotson. Dotson is. You are correct. It is Dotson. Yes. In fact, in some, in some, it may have been Dotson, and then at one point it was Dotson with an S O N at the end. I don't. It gets a little confusing in there, but it was. Yeah, we had the, we had the, you know, we had the two forty Dotson Z, which was a very popular yep. car in the, in which was uh, in Japan. It was the Fairlady. Yeah, I had, I had one of those. Yep. yep. Well, so, yeah, get, get another one. It's kind of fun. Well, I'm not going to give you one. Just so you know, uh, if I had one, maybe I would, but I'm not, so uh, you're not going to get one. But but I'll tell you what, stay right there, Karen. I'll get your name and address down. We'll mail you. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, I had a five a five ten Datsun. Did you? Uh, that I got got bought, bought from my uncle. The engine uh, was bulletproof. It was that thing just kept running and running and running. Oh, you know, you rust along the. You know, yeah, well, you know. well, you know, all the early Japanese cars, you know, it was, it, it was, it was always thought that the, the original Japanese cars were made with recycled steel, which already had the rust built in, which, you know, which <laughs> sort of, which, you know, and, but not as bad as like the early Fiats, which, you know, people would say if you listened, you know, if you were at a Fiat dealership and it was really, really quiet, you could hear them rusting. Uh, which was not the case with, which was not the case with the Nissans. But if you look at any of those early Nissans, Toyotas, Subarus, uh, they had some rust problems. You know, within a couple of years, a lot of them had some pretty significant rust. Uh, but today, yeah. that's uh, today, that's not the case. But I'll tell you what, stay right I there. To, I had to take some uh, jelly and, and paint the thing with it. Soon as you got it. Good idea. All right, yeah. all right, stay right there. All okay, right, well, all right, good enough. Well, Thank you. So again, there's a answer to our trivia. It was originally Datsun. That's what Nissan was called before. So this is an interesting uh, little story from Manhattan Motor Cars, a swanky, a swanky New York dealership that routinely sells all manner of exotic supercars for uh, deep into the six-figure uh, sales and beyond. They've added a new, more affordable brand to its lineup called Arrow. Its starting price is, is only three figures. The Arrow Smart Cart. Created by a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, Dave Bell, is no clunker. It's simply a high-tech 
single-seat electric car, and it even has some autonomous features, such as a proximity detector that applies the brakes if it senses the car is about to collide with an object. It has built-in Wi-Fi and GPS system. Parents can go program the arrow to stay within a geofenced area. Top speed's 12 miles an hour. Uh, after all, it's designed to be operated by children, 5 to 9 years old, whose parents worry about the safety on congested driveways in suburbia. The dealership, which handles Lamborghini, Bugatti, uh, Bentley, and others, uh, from its Manhattan Westside showroom, ordered two arrows last month and sold one last week. The arrow could show up at other dealers. It said the company is ramping up marketing efforts and believe the high-end customers who often bring their children with them when shopping won't be put off by the starting price. How much is this electric go-kart toy? $999. So if you want one, go to... I guess it's uh, Arrow Arrow Electric Cars or something like that. You can probably find it. But uh, but interest, interesting, you can check it out and see what it's all about. Um, Ford Motor Company Domino's Pizza is slicing out, their joke, not mine, a key component in the pizza delivery process, human interaction, and research project by Domino's, uh, whose hometown is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The companies are exploring how customers would react to accepting their pies from self-driving cars. I don't know about that either. Although the test car will uh, be manually driven, customers will have the ability to track their orders through GPS and will receive a text message when the vehicle approaches that shows them how to retrieve their pizza from a a storage compartment uh, where the rear side window would normally be. The company said the research is focused on how humans interact with cars and what happens in the last 50 feet of the delivery experience, including whether customers are even willing to leave their homes or dorms to get their order. All of the testing research um, is focused on our goal to someday make deliveries with self-driving vehicles as seamless, as customer-friendly as possible, according to the president of Domino's. Now, if they could only make a good pizza, is my thought. But sorry, Sorry, I'm a South Shore Bar pizza guy, and Domino's is not that. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to John. Good morning, John. Hi, John. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Um, you had a connection? I think so. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, gee, I was going I had the answer, but I guess you already have somebody, but I was going to say I don't think there's anybody under 20 years old that knows what a Datsun is. Well, you know, I, I think I think it, I think it falls in that same category of rotary dial phones and uh, you know drinking yeah. out you know drinking out of a hose. You know, if you if you've never drank water out of a hose and you've never dialed with a rotary phone, you probably don't know what a Datsun is. Yeah, it's true. Hey, this Drive America Week, uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to get much notice in the media. I haven't heard much about it on news or newspapers or. You know, it's been going on all over the country all this week, and you don't hear much about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised myself. I thought I would see more, you know, whether it's in social media or on the news. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of – I mean, having the event on Saturday is great for people that are available on Saturday. The problem is media on Saturday is so short-staffed that a lot of times they're not going to – you know, they're not there to be able to check it out. Uh there's just not as many people working in TV and radio and newspapers and all that sort of stuff, which is part of it. You know, I'm surprised, uh, like like I said, I'm surprised I haven't seen more about it. Uh, the electric vehicle culture in Massachusetts is, is pretty good, actually. So, um, you know, and it came from, 
you know, I talked about the horrible electric car I had years and years ago. Uh, that was you bought an electric leopard, right? I had an electric leopard. Yep. Yeah, I recently bought one a month ago in Western Mass for three hundred bucks. I'm trying to put it together primarily for show purposes, but got an electric leopard ready for the show. Well, getting it ready for the show. There you go. There you go. It's uh, <laughs> it only it only has sixteen sixteen golf cart batteries and one twelve volt battery. So it, it didn't have any. This one doesn't have any batteries. It doesn't in have it, anything. Yeah. Put new ones in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, saw one, I saw one in California, and I lost the guy's number on Craigslist, and I don't know what happened. You, you know, I don't know how I could find him somewhere in California, one thousand dollars for you. So I'll give it to you. Just have two of them for the shows. Yeah, the and the the, the hot setup, as I recall, with with my electric leopard was you actually depending on what somebody's done to that one. If it's an original one that still has the two speed electric switch, so basically it was a forklift control that was low and high. Yeah. Um, what you did was you wired you wired instead of the batteries all being wired in parallel, so it was either twenty four or forty eight volts. You wired them in series, so it was either forty whatever that would be forty eight and ninety six volts. But you had to run a little bit of a uh, fan on the uh, on the electric motor because the electric motor back then, and again, if nobody changed it, was a generator off a uh, uh, some kind of GE aircraft engine. So it would, yeah, you, yeah. and like all old generators, if you applied power to it, it would spin like an electric motor. So what you would do is you'd run the batteries in series, and then it doubled the performance, but it cut the range from say sixty miles down to about forty or forty-five. Well, that was good. You got fifty miles on an electric car back then. Wow, getting fifty yeah, miles out—you yeah. wouldn't even well, think of it. Well, that was that was the story. That was the thing that up until recently, if you went way back in time to. Pick an electric car, a 19-something or other Baker Electric back in the, you know, teens. Those cars would go 40 or 50 miles between charges, and they go 25 or 30 or 40 miles an hour. So, And they were they were cars that were, frankly, aimed towards women because you didn't have to go out and crank them and get them going. So they were quiet. Well, women they, women they, especially loved electric cars then. Yeah. So they, women they, called the gasoline cars explosion cars. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the electric cars were, were uh, quiet and clean. You didn't get dirty. There right. wasn't oil all over the place. But... You know, then you go to the 50s or so when some people tried to do electric cars in the 60s, even when the post office tried to do some electric vehicles, and they would still only go about 40 or 50 miles on a charge, and they'd do maybe 45 or 50 miles per hour. Then you get up to the 70s, and they'd go 40 or 50 miles between charges, and they'd go maybe 50 or 60 miles an hour. And then even there was a company uh, run by two young people, Graduates of MIT called Solectria. Solectria. Oh, I remember the yeah. young guy. His name yeah. was Jim Ward. He used to call yeah. me up as a teenager. Come to his house in Arlington. And he rode me around the neighborhood. And yeah, electric, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and he, and he made, went to MIT. Yeah, and, and he, then he became a big shot. When I used to call him, I couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah, and he married. He married his. <laughs> he married his girlfriend, and they started. And they and they turned Solectria yeah. into. They, they developed all of the um, technology for the hybrid buses. So. Mm-hmm. And they also they also invented one of the first ultra capacitors, super capacitors that would store energy. And but even the Selectria cars, the first ones would do about sixty miles an hour or so, and would only go about forty or fifty miles between charges. So between and they were thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. My Chevrolet, I tested them back in the nineties. Yeah, it was a geo. It was a geo metro. And yeah. what happened? What happened was. But if you think about it, from 
18 or whatever the first electric car was until the early 90s, the range and performance really didn't change that much. Yeah, you got air conditioning, you got power steering, but the range and performance didn't change very much. Then all of a sudden, battery technology started getting better. And when, for instance, Ford had some, Ford used a European van that used a weird hot battery that had to stay charged when it wasn't being used uh, because it, it used some kind of sodium something or other. Uh, all of a sudden, that car had 150 or 200-mile range, but it had this really crazy battery in it. And then that kind of fell apart, and that didn't work very well. And then battery technology got better. Nickel-cadmium got better. Lithium-ion got better and cheaper. And then all of a sudden, we started to see battery development slowly starting to come around. And then we have something like this new Nissan Leaf that goes 150 miles between charges. The Chevrolet Bolt, which will go 200 and change between charges. The Tesla Model 3, whenever that comes out, same kind of range, 200 and plus miles between charges. Uh, so there's really some differences in there. I And it's kind of interesting. I read something about Tesla the other day that kind of made me shake my head a little bit. If you were living in the hurricane belt in Texas or Florida, and you had a standard Tesla um, Model X or Model S with the limited range, the 200 and or 180-mile range, or whatever the lower range level is, they would do a software change over the air that would all of a sudden now bump the range to, like, 220 miles. That's something you would normally pay a couple, I think you'd pay, like, $10,000 or something for that extended range. Well, everyone sort of thought the extended range had something to do with the batteries. It didn't have anything to do with batteries. It had to do with what they limited it on purpose. So they were, they were being a little bit, yeah, they were, they were being a little bit sneaky. They were hiding 30, 30 miles per charge, uh, electronically, but they said, you know, if you live in an area where there's no electricity, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, uh, we'll extend the range of the car for you and, uh, uh, take care of that, take care of that for you. Now, I don't know if they're going to turn it back the other way because it was, like I said, I think it was like a $10,000 option. So it was a little, little sneaky that, you buy the basic car, and you know. I guess if you were smart enough, you could go in and hack it, and you'd have you'd have the equivalent of like the Model Eighty or Model Ninety, just by electronically changing something in the battery system. Hmm. Kind of kind of makes you think. So, yeah. So, uh, so you gonna go? You gonna go over to Cambridge and check out the? Well, uh, I actually went to Wilmington Wednesday night. Okay. To the uh, EV show, and then yesterday I went to uh, Quincy. Oh, I call it, or should be called Quincy. I call it yeah. Quincy. Massachusetts, and uh, today I'll go to this one. I've been trying to follow it. There you go. You know what? I guess it, I guess if they had uh, drug deal shootings and murder there, they, they would make all the news. All oh yeah, well they know, that always that always does. There's there's no surprise there. All right, so, yeah, so you mentioned Celestia. I'd like to find one of those step vans. They made a big step van. I haven't seen any for three years. Yeah, yeah, anywhere. yeah, yeah. That was when they started getting into commercial because you know their biggest problem was when they had this when they had the Geo Metro. They were stripping the engine out of it, stripping the exhaust, stripping all that stuff out of it, and then trying to resell it. So, so well, you know, they were trying to sell the, the gasoline yeah, parts. So, thirty thousand dollars those little uh, metals were, but they yeah. made a step van. I seen them at Massport. I've seen them, and I haven't seen any yeah. advertised. Yeah. Any idea? Really think I can look for one? No, you just you know just uh, you know just kind of stay up with the EV association. You know the you know there used to be the Electric Vehicle Club of New England or something. New England electric. Three years ago, I see one advertised for twenty five hundred bucks, and four years ago in New York, they want three thousand. Yeah, it's a big step van. You stand up inside of it like a furniture bed. Yeah, 
No, they, they there's also, if, if you look around hard enough, you also find some little postal vans that were pretty neat. Um, but, you know, you got to do a lot of work. Hey, we got to get going. we gotta, uh, we got to oh, move on. You. All right, take care. Good luck. Thank you. Yep. Let's go over to Rick. Rick? Hey. Hi there. Hi there. I, you know, I got a question that may put you on the spot. Any, uh, I know an old joke about the Nissan and how it got, it through, uh, got the old name. All right. Go with the joke first. Okay. Uh, this Japanese car company wanted to sell in America. Yep. And they got the car all ready to sell. Then also, about a week before they're going to release it, they uh, found, remember, they didn't have a good name. So they said, oh, we'll go to Germany, get the guy that came up with the name for Volkswagen. So they sent a group over there, and they found the guy, and they looked him up, and they said, we need a, new, a name for our car. And he says, well, when do you need it? And they said, in a week. He said, Datsun. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> okay, I like corny jokes. All right. Yeah, I, hey, I, you know, I, I got no problem with it, but, uh, yeah, and I will, I will reuse that somewhere. You know, like, like, um, you know, I, you know, one of, one of the, one of the corny jokes, and it goes with, it's almost October car care month, and, and what, do, what do we always say with October car care month? You know, go out there and check your tires, take a penny, you know, turn it upside yeah. down, put it in the tread, and then, you know, if it comes up to, Lincoln's head or who's ever on a penny, um, you know, if it doesn't reach it. And over the years, we've now we've moved up to a quarter instead of using a penny. And you know why we use a quarter instead of a penny? Uh, Inflation. Inflation. Absolutely right. That's why. All right. The question is going to put me on the spot. Okay. Now, you know, we've got to talk about the different off-road vehicles, Jeeps, Land Rover, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Which one, in your opinion, is the best off-road vehicle? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, I've taken I've taken a Land Rover at a Land Rover school off-road, and it performed extraordinarily well. It did stuff that I was, um, you know, I was going up hills and up rock outcroppings and stuff that um, you couldn't see the other side. And at one point I got out and actually stopped and looked at it and go, whoa, that's, you know, that's that's some crazy ability. Um, I think a Jeep Grand Cherokee can do exactly the same thing for a lot less money. So actual ability, I think the Jeep can do everything the Land Rover can do Maybe not quite as comfortably because the Land Rover still is the next level of luxury. But, I mean, still, when you're talking about a $50,000 vehicle, yeah. what was interesting, though, is the Land Rover instructors. So they mostly guys, I think there was one woman in the group, who drove Land Rovers and taught people how to drive Land Rovers at the school. I went to – there's one up in New Hampshire, Vermont. But this one I happened to go to was in Asheville, North Carolina. And I noticed that when, at the end of the day, when they went home, they all drove Jeeps <laughs> because they could afford them. First off, you know, you know, it's you know, just because you teach people how to drive a Land Rover doesn't mean you can afford a eighty, you know, eighty thousand dollar plus vehicle. Um, but and they were all they were all serious off road enthusiasts too. But that was their choice 
of a vehicle that could do everything they wanted to do at a bit of a more affordable price. You know, Grand Cherokee now goes from, you know, 35 to almost $60,000 when you get, you know, heated this and cooled this and all kinds of luxury in it. But, you know, really, you know, off-road ability, I think, I think they both do really well. Um, I happen to like the proportions of the Jeep a little bit better. I think it makes it more maneuverable. Um, but you know, if you if you want you know that kind of luxury, super ultra luxury comfort, the Land Rover. But I think they both do well. But I think Jeep Grand Cherokee would be my pick. Okay, just just was just a curiosity question I had. Yeah, so. reasonable reasonable question. All right, Rick. Okay, have a right. good one. Bye. All right, take care. Bye bye. Why don't we take another break? My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Anxious over what's happening at your child's school, from sex education mandates to bathroom bills, the number one target of the liberal agenda is your student's impressionable mind. As a parent, you need to be vigilant about what your child is exposed to at school, and that can be a full-time job and a full-time worry. Unless your child is at a Christian school... At a Christian school, your child receives a Christ-centered education in a Christ-centered environment. Learning the love of Jesus Christ within a strong academic curriculum enables children to become loving and strong leaders. And Salem Media Group plays our part. Our Christian School Initiative provides half the tuition to a Christian school for the first year. Call Pat Ryan today at 617-691-2521. Ask about the many wonderful Christian and Catholic schools in our partnership. Or visit any of our websites, WEZE Radio, WROL Radio, Radio Luz Boston, or AM 1260 The Buzz for all the details. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-930-5104. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-930-5104. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-930-5104. 1-800-930-5104. Toyota is the best-selling car brand in 49 countries all over the world. That's leaps and bounds ahead of the nearest competition. But you probably already knew that. What you do need to know is, where is the best place to buy the best-selling cars? Look no further than Atlantic Toyota on the Lingway and Lynn. Used or new, truck or compact, sporty or family. Atlantic Toyota and Lynn has the largest selection of vehicles at the lowest prices. With a large Spanish-speaking staff, they will work with any credit situation. Mention 
mention the car doctor on WROL and you will get $500 off a new car purchase. With all new car purchases, enjoy Atlantic Toyota on the Linway's infamous two-year maintenance plan for free. Stop by Atlantic Toyota on the Linway or call 866-676-4000 in Lynn and bring the whole family. They have a great play area for the kids. Atlantic Toyota and Lynn, the number one place to buy the number one car. Visit online at AtlanticToyota.com to see their inventory and specials. This offer cannot be combined with other offers and discounts. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And speaking of electric vehicles, Ford plans to introduce 13 electrified models by 2021. This is the, we'll call it the new rage because, uh, you know, uh, we we reported months ago that Volvo was going to have a hybrid electric vehicle. That's all they're going to sell. Uh, Jaguar, Land Rover, kind of the same way. Ford is going to introduce 13 electrified vehicles by 2021, seven of which it's identified a police responder hybrid sedan by 2018, Ford Escape plug-in hybrid uh 2019 Lincoln MKC plug-in hybrid 2019 Ford Expedition hybrid 2019 Lincoln Navigator hybrid 2019 Transit Custom plug-in hybrid which will be sold in Europe will be 2019 electric small SUV with the 300 mile range expected to be called the Model E by 2020 that would be pretty impressive Ford Mustang hybrid 2020 um and this is this is a uh, this is what they're estimating, at least. Um, Ford F-150 hybrid by 2020. Autonomous hybrid for commercial mobility services, 2021. Eh, I don't know if you see that right away. Another hybrid police vehicle, uh, they don't know quite yet. And two more hybrid vehicles coming up. So electric vehicles, you know, it is uh, National Drive Electric Week. And one of the reasons is, uh, you know, we're seeing more and more and more. Uh, and if you have the chance, get over to get over to Cambridge today and check out the uh, static d- display of the Nissan. Uh, talk to Janelle from Nissan. Learn more about the new Nissan Leaf with the 150 mile range and the and the sub thirty thousand dollar price range. And you know, you say, well, thirty thousand is a lot of money for a electric car, but. A small electric car, but one you don't have to put gas in. And if you find some place where you can charge up and do it inexpensively, all that much better. Uh, let's take a couple calls. Let's go to Paul first. Paul. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, you know, they want to say history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Uh, people are now thinking about putting electric chargers in, in in their houses or in their garages. I grew up in a house in Quincy. It was built through 1927, uh-huh. and I was a little kid. There was a gas pump in the middle of the, of inside the garage. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's also a gas tank that's probably still there. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me EPA. Yeah. Uh, but it was an old crank um, gas pump. Yeah. Like the one you'd see in an old station. Unfortunately, my parents took it out. It was probably today worth more than the house. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you see, you see some of those, uh, those, uh, visible pumps, they go for crazy money, yeah. Yeah, I guess when they built the house, you know, gas stations weren't that easily, um, accessible. Yeah. So they, uh, 
guy probably had a chauffeur. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it's fu- it's funny though. I mean, you're you know, you're probably right as far as um, you know, g- you know, gas was something that was that was probably a little bit harder to get. I suppose no difference than having a carriage house where you have you know some place to leave your horse and you know feed. Right. So they, you know, if if this was if this was you know early 1900s, they probably said, well, we'll we'll have our own gas pump. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Until and it, until um, it blew up, just, but yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this guy owned a shoe factory in Boston. Oh, okay. Well, that, was, that, that maybe was, that's why he could that, afford to do that. Well, that was probably that, the case, but know, before the crash. Yeah. yeah. Up, just up the street, um, the the area was famous because the woman owned an electric car back in who knows how. Yeah. I vaguely remember seeing it, and she used to drive. I don't know, even know the make. I was a little too young, but um, she was known. I think I could almost. As a three or four year old, see her driving this thing. Mm. Um, so I mean, everything comes back. Where they where they charged it, I don't know. Maybe they had a charge. Yeah, I mean, everything old is new again. That's you're right. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. You know? So, so uh, maybe a gas station in your maybe a gas. Could you do that today? Yeah, probably not. I can't imagine. Well, you know, not in your basement but i suppose you you have a 275 gallon oil tank in your house if you heat with oil so yeah. could that be you know and a lot of farms have have gasoline storage on the farm i think just because mm-hmm. of the environment environmental impact of gasoline you'd probably have to by the time you were done with uh, double wall tanks and a concrete bunker that it sits in and all of that it'd be easy to go to the gas station but yeah um, probably yeah. you know after yeah. <laughs> 80 yeah. years probably yeah. I don't know, probably not even a fume in there. No, no, uh, and it's probably it's probably yeah, it's probably all rotted out and disintegrated uh, into the ground and hopefully someone's, you know, filled it with sand and you know, it's just hopefully it's, well, Yeah. It's so, been about three owners since yeah, my family was there, yeah, so but, who knows what happened. But it's just interesting that there was yeah, a gas pump. No, guard. back people that were around in the seventies gas shortage, you know, some of those some of those folks actually did um especially out in the country, did uh, store gasoline, so it wouldn't surprise me if that you know there's a little bit more of that here and there. So, yeah, uh, but but you're right. It's my big fear with and the only real fear I have with electric cars is whether we have the electric infrastructure to support it all. Because you know, all around the country, when there's big power outages, uh, there you you know there's brownouts, and you know everybody turns their air conditioning on, and the you know they try to start making electricity and and all of a sudden there's an issue when you see these kind of rolling brownouts occasionally. We haven't, I don't think we've seen any this year, but in years past we have across the country. And you wonder if everybody has an electric car, you know, can the, can the electric supply grid actually support recharging them? Well, you look in, in southern Florida and the Keys, they probably still don't even have electricity. If anybody has an electric car, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, they're, they're, they're using their bicycles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Probably. All right. Probably. All right, thank you very All much. All right, good thing, Paul. Thank you. Bye-bye. Always always Bye-bye. a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks. Same here. Uh, Mike, I think it is. So either we're talking to Mike or Mila. I'm going to go with Mike. Then. Mike. Okay. Yeah, thank you. It's Mike. Good morning, John. Good morning. Um, uh, may I ask on a personal uh, level, I hope you made out okay with your Florida house? Well, I'm here. Instead of there, so but uh, I'll 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 tell I'll tell the story quickly. So um, and what we'll kind of probably bore everyone to death. Back in back in May or June, my wife and I went to Florida just to kind of check out the West Coast with the idea of if it was a slow 
day, so a day that was cloudy and we didn't go to the beach or something, would go annoy a real estate agent and go look into houses. And we didn't really want – I had a very limited budget in mind, um, and a mobile home sort of fit into that budget, as did some condos. But um, I had a condo once, and and it was, it was fine, but um, – Condo living sometimes a little too close together for me. Uh, in fact, a friend of mine is uh, checking out his condo now, uh, and it was a it was a beautiful condo. Uh, and he was in the northeast where uh, northeast Florida, where they had a surprising amount of damage. But as nice as his condo was, the only thing that separated you from the neighbors on the second floor deck was you know essentially a two by four railing, and the only thing that separated you from the neighbors in the uh, lanai or whatever they call those screen rooms was, you know, a blind. And I'm like, I want a little bit more space between me. So a mobile home sort of fit into that category. So we were looking, we didn't really see anything we hundred percent liked. Uh, but we saw the one that was for sale by owner and the owners, um, bought a house a few years ago. His dad lived there for a while until his dad couldn't live by himself. And it was in a um, it was in a park that we looked at, which we were okay with, but then way down at the end, we, we actually kind of liked it because it was near a creek. Um, so it was uh, with a little boat basin. So people would put boats in, and I guess a 20-minute boat ride, you could get out to the Gulf. And I said, oh, this is kind of an interesting little place. And it, it's not fancy. It's a, it's a single-wide, two-bedroom little unit and but it's on its own little lot of land so i said you know i I talked to the guy and i asked him how firm he was on the price and he said he was firm on the price and we just kind of let it go with the idea that around this time of year we would go to the east coast of florida and kind of shop around there well about a month later it came up for sale through a real estate agent so i sent the owner an email and said oh is your place still for sale knowing it actually was and the real estate agent called me back and um said, oh, I understand you're interested in the Barry's home. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, this is what I'm willing to offer for it. And I said, to be honest with you, uh, I really can't go any higher. That's all the money I have. And she said to me, oh, let me let me check. And she called me back the next day and said she adjusted her commission. They adjusted their expectation, and they took my offer. So afterwards, I kind of looked at my wife and said, oh, crap, we own a house in Florida. What do we do? What do we do with that? And um, and and so um, so we we ended up buying this trailer in Florida, which we almost we've walked around it and we walked inside of it real quickly, but we never really had we didn't spend a lot of time in it. And then our plan was last um, last Saturday we were supposed to go to Florida and actually spend a week there. And it you know there's some things some that need to be done to it. And then Hurricane Irma showed up and they moved my flight to Tuesday. And then they moved my flight to this Saturday, which wouldn't have worked because I had to go back to work. So um, so we didn't get to see it. But bottom line is um, the real estate agent we used was a woman, Misty Rain. She does a lot of real estate in Englewood, Florida. And, um, and the uh, – uh, she actually, on her own without being asked, um, went over there on Monday and, you know, flipped on her phone with FaceTime and walked around the house. And she still has a key to it. I asked her actually to hold on to a key. And she went inside and she said, you know, you have a your palm tree out front is down. It's a big, tall, it was a beautiful 30-foot tall palm tree, but it didn't land on the house. And there's a tree in the backyard that fell down and 
it either it was either your tree or it's not, but one way or another, there's a fence that's broken. And uh, when she went inside, she said there's no water damage, but there is some damage to the carport. But it looks like it was just the trim on the carport came off. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, the, the guy who mows the lawn for me down there, um, who I've never met either, um, I asked him whether he cuts down trees, and he said he doesn't. But he knows somebody who does. And he said, well, I'll go by and take a look and see. Maybe I can at least move it out of the way. And I said, yeah, and, you know, some of the, you know, the carports got some damage. And he went over and actually took the, the trim down and stored it inside the carport area. So I don't think there's a lot of damage to speak of. So I think I got pretty lucky, as did, uh, you know, a lot of people, it seems like, uh, people that I've talked to who um, – who live in Florida. Um, I understand that where I am, the power came on yesterday. There's still a lot of the, and it's a town called Englewood, which is um, sort of near Port Charlotte and Venice. It's kind of in that area. And it's, um, uh, and the only reason I even considered it was every time I turned around, it seemed like somebody told me I should go look in Englewood and I did. And that's where I ended up. So maybe someday I'll retire and, and live there at least spend some time there um up until now though um, i'm not doing anything because um it's uh uh just work is work is getting in the way and in mid-october i actually have to go to our AAA national office for a few days so i'm going to try to take weekend the two weekends on either end to go down and actually see what it is i bought and hopefully don't have too many repairs to do well that's that's good news yeah. to you john yeah no right. thank you for asking i appreciate it Welcome. May I ask, is there a website for this uh, event in Cambridge? Is there something we can go to to, to find out the details? You know, I, I hadn't seen one, so I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I would I would just kind of Google uh, Drive Electric Week and see what comes up. All right, and now the now to the reason why I called you. <laughs> um, the other the other reason why I wanted to speak with you today was do you have you had an experience with car covers if you don't have a garage, you know, winter, that kind of thing. Do you know how impact on, you know, finishes, problems if, with them? Or if, if, if it's if a good, any? if it's a good multi-layer cover, um, and, you know, there's, you want, you, what you, do, what you don't want is basically a plastic cover. You want a cover that breathes. You want a cover that when it rains, um, it's sort of water resistant, but not waterproof because you, there's nothing worse than moisture coming up from underneath the car and getting trapped. So you want, you want to, you want a cover that is, uh, multi-layer, uh, that's soft on the inside, that has some good ability to tie it down and hold it in place because it is going to move around a little bit. So even if it moves around, um, if it's got a nice soft finish on the inside of it, that's good. Um, you know, if you said to me, oh, I'm, I'm going to kind of store the car inside, um, you could get like a Tyvek cover, which works pretty well. It has some breathing ability, but it's not that, you know, Tyvek rubbing back and forth on the paint can cause some issues. But I would I would look at, um, you know, California Car Cover is one company. There's a bunch. And uh, they have, they have you want to look for something that has this, this multi-layer um, cover, which kind of keeps out all the dust and the dirt. But still, if it rains really hard and it's outside, it's going to it's going to 
it's still the car's still going to get wet. But I when I I never had a garage, so I was worked in garages, but I never had a garage, so I never had a reason to have to do anything. But when I had, you know, over the years, I've had a couple oddball little cars, and I always had car covers and. You know, I put the car cover over it, and I was always amazed that when I, I uncovered the car in the spring, even though it, you know, there was a foot of snow sitting on top of it, and you know, it rained, and you take the car cover off, and the car looked remarkably clean afterwards. So it would protect the finish. Um, you know, branches fell on it or something like that. It was thick enough where it would, you know, prevent any damage. So look for something. Look for something good, but also look for something that that has more than just sort of a, a bungee cord securing it, uh, something that has an actual, like, a strap that you can tighten up around it so it doesn't blow off and doesn't blow in the breeze. So, Okay, and, and in terms of, like, snow on it and that kind of thing and freezing, should there be something that might address temperature and its ability to stay flexible? Or Yeah, I mean, the good, the good multi-layer ones and... and um, I, and you'll see them. It'll say right on it, you know, three three layer, five layer car cover, something like that. Those are the ones that you just you let the snow sit on it. and You don't worry about it. The worst thing you can do though is if you're kind of a curious person, which I am, is that you you go, oh, you know, it's it's freezing cold outside. Maybe I'll go over there and kind of shovel some of the snow off of it and take the cover off and look at it. The problem is it will freeze. So, it, you know, there could be ice and snow in it, and then you can end up actually maybe tearing the cover. So it has to be one of those things you have to decide that you put the car away, you, you, you know, serviced all the fluids, you took the battery out, you filled up the gas tank, you put stable in it, you aired up the tires, maybe a little bit more than what they say on them, and you put the car cover over it, and both you and the car go to sleep for the winter, and then you wake up, and then you, then you tinker with the car. Be okay. But as far as a daily driver kind of thing, not a, car, not a good idea to have a, a car cover, that kind of thing, to protect it from the sun, snow. If, yeah. If you said to me I lived in a, um, I lived in a uh, pine forest where there's tree sap dripping on the car all the time, I'd probably think about getting a car cover just to protect it from the tree sap. But the whole idea of putting it on and taking it off and then, you know, car cover, once, it's, once you take it out of the package, it's surprisingly how big they get. So you know, it takes up the, it takes up the whole trunk. So you, know, you, you have to kind of you have to kind of look out for that. So, all right, all right, John. Listen, all right. thank you. I all right. appreciate you. All right, and, th- and thanks for the concern, Mike. I appreciate it. Very well. Right. Thank you, Tom. Yep. Bye bye. I think we have Rich think on the phone. Rich, Rich, is that you? Good morning. How are you, John? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good news about Florida. Glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. You know the, the you know because I you know before and the other the other. Part of the story is this trailer, mobile home, whatever you want to call it, is old enough where I can't get insurance. So, so that even makes it that even makes it more interesting because it it's um you know it it's and you can get some form of insurance, but there's a sixty day window before you can actually apply for it uh, because they want to make sure you're not you know you're not buying the insurance while the you know while the barn's on fire sort of thing. So um, I was happy it's still there. Uh, because I'd like, I'd actually like to spend the night in it before it, you know, uh, you know, before it falls in the creek, you know. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm going to ask you for a second opinion. Sure. Um, tough question for me. I, it's a '69 Mustang original owner. Okay. 
Uh, it gets very little miles, unfortunately, and I went to take it for a ride, and uh, it was missing badly, running on mm-hmm. six or seven cylinders. Mm-hmm. It's the gases from last year, but it's been treated heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who's a mechanic who put in a new set of plugs. Uh, it's got a new distributor cap, rotor, patronics, ignition. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it still doesn't run in a couple of cylinders. Mm. Uh, his guess is uh, leaky intake manifold gasket. But I was wondering, is there any other possibility that you can think of? Well, I mean that could be. I mean that would be easy enough to if it's if it's sitting there stumbling, if it's there running rough, yep. and you took a little bit of um, carburetor cleaner, starter spray, anything like that, and like sprayed around the intake manifold, and all of a sudden if it if it's smoothed out. Well, you know, you have an intake manifold leak. If you spray okay. a little right into the carburetor and all of a sudden it smooths out, you know it's running really lean for some reason or another. So you, what you need to determine, if you have no tools at all, what you need to determine is, is it running lean? Is it a lean misfire? So by richening up the mixture with a little bit of starter spray or, like I said, even carburetor cleaner, um, and it, if all of a sudden you looked at it and the thing's you know, rocking back and forth like crazy and you spray in it and all of a sudden it smooths out, well, it is running lean. And then if you take that same starter spray and spray around the intake manifold where it connects to the cylinder heads and it smooths out, same idea. You know it's leaking around there. It also could be like a big vacuum hose somewhere that's leaking, causing it to run a little lean as well. Um, have you have, have you been able to identify which two cylinders aren't running right? Uh, he says number two and four. Okay. His spark tester says it's, they're all getting sparked. They're all getting sparked. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, that's, you know, an intake manifold's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but I would also look and see if there's a big vacuum line that connects to that part of the intake manifold that maybe it's got a crack in it that you're missing. Um, you know, worst case, you know, the real bad story is, is it a valve that's sticking? Is it a, you know, is it a valve that, you know, over over the years has burned a little bit um, and causing it? But where it's two cylinders, it's odd that that would be the case. Um and, a, and a, you know, if he's using a spark tester and he says, you know, it's got spark and I'm pretty convinced it's these two, another another easy way of being able to come to that conclusion is take a spray bottle full of water and spray the exhaust manifold. And, you know, the cylinders that are firing, the exhaust manifold is going to, when you spray it with some water, it's going to turn into steam instantaneously. The cool cylinders are just going to have the water sitting on the manifold. So you can okay. kind of go, oh, yeah, this one's. This one, boosh, turns into steam. Boosh, turns into steam. This one, the water lays there for a minute. Well, you know that's not a hot cylinder because there's something not firing correctly. So, um, could it be an intake manifold? It could be, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw. I wouldn't pull an intake off of it unless I knew that was the case. And check it with some. Like I said, check it with some carb spray or starter spray. Um, what we always used to use was. Um, propane we'd use a propane tank with a little mixture meter and valve on it and a rubber hose and kind of search around and enter some propane in it and if it smoothed out you knew that's where the leak was but uh, yeah so but either way it you know it should be easy enough to identify if it is an intake manifold okay okay and quick 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 question sure. is this okay to drive to use up some of the gas before i had because it's going to be a while before i can get this done yeah um i mean you're not really you're not gonna i mean you're either gonna follow a plug if that's the case, or you're going to burn a plug, um, you're probably going to have to. I would rather siphon the gas out of it, okay, than really drive it a prolonged period of time. Okay. Okay. Listen, thanks. All right. All right. Take care. Good luck. You too. All right. We need to take another break before we talk to our buddy Sully, who's sitting in the studio hanging out. He's got his got his appropriate attire on. 
which means he's dressed. So we'll be right back. The more our family grew, the smaller our old car got. So we upgraded to a Honda Odyssey. It's from Kelly Blue Book's 2016 Best Value brand and comes with standard features like Bluetooth, so my wife can remind me of all the things I've forgotten to bring home. Ah, the diapers. Go to www.hondacarsofboston.com or 100 Broadway, Route 99 in Everett, Mass. Call 617-276-1179. Based on 2016 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit kbb.com for information. See dealer for financing details. The IRS doesn't mess around. If they want your money, they'll take it. They can take your paycheck and bank accounts, too. Even threaten your home or business. And it's about to get worse. The IRS just hired an army of new tax enforcers. So, if you owe back taxes, the smartest thing you can do is call Optima Tax Relief. Optima has access to a special IRS tax assistance program called the Fresh Start Initiative. And their clients that qualify are saving thousands, even tens of thousands. One call starts the process to stop the demand letters, stop aggressive collection actions, and stop that army of new enforcers from targeting you. But don't delay. It's important to act now while you still have options. Optima is A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. Optima has already resolved over a half billion dollars of tax debt for their clients. Get your life back. Call now for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. This is Pat Ryan, General Manager. We can't wait for our 50th anniversary party next Saturday, September 23rd, right here in Marina Bay in Quincy. And we know you are excited, too, because we received so many submissions into our Irish Idol competition brought to you by the fine folks at Sullivan Tire. What talent we have in our listening audience. Now it is time for you to vote to send one lucky winner and their guest on a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Ireland. Go to WROLradio.com or visit our WROL Irish 950 Facebook page and hit Irish Hit Parade Feast of Irish Music, listen to each submission, and then cast your vote. The top three will then be introduced on stage at our 50th anniversary party next Saturday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. And the winner who received the most votes will be presented with their trip for two to Ireland. All made possible by our great friends at Sullivan Tire. Good luck to everyone who submitted. And listeners, please go vote. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program at AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Remember, if you haven't voted on the Irish Idol yet, you need to do that. Somebody's going to be winning a trip to Ireland, all-expense-paid trip to Ireland. 
and it can't be us. And I I know of at least some of the folks in this room. We we can't sing, so <laughs> yep, uh, we are we are you do with the money, Sully. What you do with the money? Yeah, we we'll are no Bobby Brooks. No, we're not. Who no. who can sing? No. One. Yeah. Uh, we went to Ireland, uh, the station, and you know a lot of our listeners back in back before the turn of the century, back in <laughs> 1999, and um, they asked me because we were there with um, uh, Margaret Dalton's group, Aaron's Melody, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, she was playing wherever we, we uh, found something they could plug into because they love to do that, and they're real good at it. And uh, someone said, why don't you get up and, and sing with, with the group? <laughs> did you so say? I did. Yeah, I did. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I did. Was that, was that um, see, I, I don't think there would be enough Guinness in Ireland for me to do that. Well, you know, it was all right. I mean, I, I sing, I, I love music, and I do sing, and I sing yeah. in the car, and I sing in the shower, and I sing, you know, it was in the hall so a few minutes ago. So I, what did I say? We were, oh, we were in Galway, right at Galway Bay, and that's what I, I decided. I, you know, maybe someday I'll go back again to Ireland. You know, and that they didn't ask me to sing another song, so I figured. Well, you, I figured you, that was like you, the gong show. you already sing far better than I do. So, um, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, Billy uh, Preston would sing, "Nothing from nothing leaves nothing." Yes. Oh, I'm just saying yeah. nothing no, from no. nothing. No, that's good. Nothing. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, no, I, I uh when I was uh when I was a little kid I think I tried I tried a musical instrument once. Mm-hmm. I was pretty good with uh, and only a people of a certain age would remember the tonette. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But you know, other <laughs> exactly. people may We're not. Drifting into Geezerville again. I know, I know. <laughs> and well, I, you know, I, 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 and I, apparently I was pretty good with the tonette. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing, I took trumpet lessons when I was like in fifth grade. And for a long, long time. Trombone I, for me, by the way. Right. Yeah. But for a long, I couldn't get the buzzing in the lips, yeah. and I couldn't get, nothing came yeah. out of it. And I got frustrated and frustrated. And, and it, But my father said, you keep going, keep going. And at, at one point, it was almost like a click. It was almost like tumblers falling into place. Um, a, a sound came out, which was, hmm. which resembled a, a trumpet sound. A bu- more of a bugle? Or? Well, uh, no, it, no it, it, and it got better. Yeah. And I always, from that moment um, to now, you you really have to pay homage to the to the gods of music in order to become a musician. You have to go through that that stage hmm. of, of learning and frustration and almost like you know I, this is my penance I have before I can have the the yep. talent to do it. Now I'm, I was never a great trumpeteer, so we can't call you the Doc Severinsen of uh, again going into <laughs> Geezerville. <laughs> no, no. But I mean other things. I didn't I didn't even start to try to play the piano until I was. About forty, and I didn't start to play the guitar till I was in my mid fifties, I think. And I could do them both reasonably well. I mean, well enough mm. to entertain kindergarten kids. Yeah, well, it's but, I mean, that's not yeah. great, but it's suddenly I can, you know, I know a few chords. Yeah, there, but there's, it, there's, it's never there's, too late to learn. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who make a lot of money writing kids songs. So you know. oh, I've written a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you made a lot of money? Uh, I haven't tried to publish uh, them yet well, because what I <laughs> tend to do is steal the music and change the words, and I don't think that's legal. Um. It's called sampling, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's called plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> Which in the music business is not apparently the highest form of flattery. Hey, we got to get out of here because the very best in Irish music coming up with Paul Sullivan. Hey, and the I'm Irish glad Parade. you're good, and I'm glad things are I just wanted yeah. to say that. Well, thank you. And I got several emails from the listeners this week wondering how I made out. And, yeah, I was and, trying to find your yeah. email. I couldn't find it. Yeah. So I said, I'll see him Saturday yeah. or, or not. Or not. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> I'm glad it's good, though. Yeah, me too. Uh, Until next week, make sure you 
Wear your seatbelt. Drive safely. Be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.